0: Hi, everyone. Sorry about the trouble. We had some technical difficulties. Uh, Mr. Dwaskin, you're here with us. You're muted, though.
1: Uh, let me just... Okay, now it says unmute. Okay, how about now?
0: Now it's perfect, and our attendees are here, and we can get oh, started.
1: Wonderful. So, um, yeah, somehow or other, I don't know what happened. There's... as. Um, as you said there's some there were some technical difficulties but i'm here and i've got all afternoon so uh i'm not um you know rushed or anything like that i hope you all can stay and um you know we can we can uh you know uh, just enjoy a nice afternoon um <clears throat> and uh, so uh yeah so i think what we'll do is we will we will um we'll get started. So welcome, everybody. Uh, I'm Hershey Waskin, um, And we're here to discuss uh, some current events of the week. Um, uh, I was, uh, I'll start with a couple of smaller items, and then we'll go on to the sort of main, um, the main uh, topic for today. I read an interesting article in which it said that the uh, 10 richest people uh, all doubled their wealth on average since the beginning of COVID, which is say March, 2020. And um, it, it in a certain way goes against what logic is which is that um, so many people have suffered economically because of COVID, but these ten, the 10 richest people in the world uh, out of 10 of them, they're all men. Um, out of 10 of them, nine are US residents. One is French. Um, Their collective wealth went from seven, so these are 10 people remember. So these 10 people together own $700 billion before COVID, and they now own $1.5 trillion uh, as of, uh, say, the beginning of the month, I suppose I'm not sure when the cutoff date is but it was maybe a week ago or so. All of these people, almost all of them, are in some sort of high-tech field. And uh, their names, of course, are probably very familiar to you, which are um, uh, Bill Gates and Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, Sergey Brin, Warren Buffett, uh, Larry Ellison, Larry Page, Steve Ballmer, and Bernard Arnault and Mark Zuckerberg. So these are all of them. Maybe the only one that you've never heard of possibly is this Bernard Arnault, who's the only non-American, he's French, and he owns the Louis Vuitton uh, uh, sort of group of companies. Um, At the same time as these people doubled their wealth, 160 million more people fell into poverty. Uh, Poverty is defined as making less than $5.50 a day. Um, women and minorities were the most uh, heavily affected because of job losses arising from COVID. So that means, you know, all the tourism going down, all the restaurants going down, uh, everything associated with travel going down, hotels, uh, etc. Um, for these poor people, inflation, which has uh, taken hold now, uh, pretty well everywhere around the world. Some countries more, some less, but if you have no income, inflation makes matters much, much worse. Um, uh, the um, uh, the sort of let's call not call it solution, but let's call it the the um, the tree the the uh, changes that some people were asking for, including some of the uh, democratic uh, members of. Uh, the Senate, including Bernie Saunders, was to have some sort of a tax on capital or tax on wealth, whereby, um, you know, as, as as most taxation systems work these days, you're taxing income. Um, but these people, um, uh, you know, taxing income is, is not so, is not that efficient. And it still leaves this huge gap between people who have a lot and people who have nothing. Tax on wealth would be even harder to do because wealth can be shifted around, can be classified in different ways. And um, it's just um, a fact of life and a fact of our economy that the situation is as it is. Um, Many people, including Bill Gates, have asked that a taxation system be changed because they pay Uh, so little tax compared to the amount that they have. Anyway, it was just an interesting article to uh, read about um, showing how much uh, these people have had their wealth increase. Now, of course, uh, one of the explanations is is that at the beginning of COVID, um, the stock markets were all very far down, and now they've come back up. So, uh, you know, that explains for part of it. Uh, anyway just put that in the background. Uh, the, the big one of the most uh, impressive events of this week was this volcanic eruption in Tonga and I'm sure all of you have seen the uh, have seen the sort of replay of the actual eruption taken from a satellite it was just unbelievable. Uh, Tonga is in the middle of nowhere in the Pacific Ocean uh, some um, 1,800 kilometers from New Zealand. Um, So it's kind of really a very isolated uh, group of islands. And uh, one of them, uh, what seems to have happened is that there was a volcano on the island and um, the land actually sunk and the volcano kind of went underwater. Uh, And then two days later, it, it, it erupted. And when the hot... Um, magma hit the cold water uh, there was this enormous explosion and um, you know that's what we saw on the video. Um, the um, sound of this explosion was heard 4,000 kilometers away. So for example imagine something in um, people in Montreal hearing an explosion in Calgary. That's uh pretty, um, you know, give you an idea of how far away this explosion was. The waves that resulted from this from the tsunami that was generated uh, hit California, they hit Alaska, uh, they caused damage in Peru, uh, and in, uh, you know, completely on the other side of the uh, Pacific Ocean. Um, And of course, the damage to Tonga itself is still unmeasured, but the pretty well the whole country is covered in, uh, in uh, ash from this volcano. Um, the uh, Pacific, you know, is known as the Rim of Fire. And uh, Tonga happens to be sitting on a um, uh, boundary between two plates in the uh, Pacific Ocean. And that explains the, the generation of all this heat Coming from one plate rubbing against another, and then the heat is, is forced up through a volcano. And then, you know, what happened, of course, blew up. Just to give you some little bit of information on this kind of mostly forgotten place, uh, it's a country which has only 100,000 people living in it at this moment. Um, there are 169 islands in Tonga of which 36 are inhabited, but uh, one of the islands contains 70% of all the people in the country. And the volcano blew up very close, not on that island, but on another one that was pretty close to that, to that one. Um, people only came to live there some 1500, uh, not, uh, around 1500 BC. So somewhere around 3000 years ago to uh, 2,500 years ago, is when people first arrived there on that island. So historically speaking, then in terms of human uh, evolution, it's really been uh, only very recently that people came to live there, uh, spreading from other islands in the Pacific. Um, uh, It was only in the 1600s that they had the first European contact uh, and these were people who were uh, whalers looking for whales and they visited the island. Uh, in 1900, Great Britain took over the, the sort of uh, administration or ownership of the island. But unlike in other places, Tongan was always independent. And they had a royal family that stayed uh, ruling that country the whole time when Britain was uh, in charge of it. So unlike in other places like say Hawaii where where the king was disp- deposed, um, uh, Great Britain allowed the, the monarchy to continue, even though Great Britain, of course, sort of had their own monarch, of course. Um, they became independent in 1970. Uh, and it was really the only Pacific country to be continuously independent, um, you know, throughout the whole colonial period. Um, they have no real resources, except for all of the sea area that they control. They tried making money by selling passports, by, by advertising themselves as a nuclear waste dump, uh, by registering ships, issuing stamps. Um, you know, the usual sort of things that uh, islands with no resources can do. Um, the... Um, the uh, agriculture and fishing on the, uh, on the islands are just for local, uh, you know, consumption. They're so far away from anywhere else that it would be hard to ship any kind of, um, you know, agricultural goods, uh, uh, you know, abroad. Um, m- maybe for every one Tongan who lives in Tonga, two of them live abroad. So people have chosen to move away in order to make a living for themselves, uh, moving to say Australia, New Zealand, or the US. Um, uh, And uh, they send money home. So they have very close ties to their home uh, country, but they live abroad and send money to their families. And that's how most people in Tonga are managing to make a living. the, uh, the country though is ruled by this royal family, which is considered extremely corrupt. Uh, they were rated the sixth most, most corrupt country in 2008. And um, the, uh, the uh, country is also known because of the uh, amount of overweight people in, in uh, Tonga. Uh, they consider being fat is a sign of beauty and um, so a lot of people in that country are huge in in their size Um, that's about it some cruise ships have come there once in a while to look at uh, at at, at, uh, whales and uh, you know they grow a little bit of vanilla which is a sort of a cash crop but uh, overall it's a kind of a uh, it's so, it's so, has so few people and is so kind of unimportant that in, in a certain way, the world has forgotten about that country up until now. You know, even the Chinese who are busy, uh, exploring all Pacific countries and trying to help them, um, they haven't really put their eyes on Tonga yet, uh, you know, up until now. It's sort of Australia, New Zealand, are like the big brother and, uh, they're the ones who are in a certain sense responsible for that country. So, um, you know, that's about, the, that's about the, uh, the tsunami and it goes to sh- the, the, uh, the volcano volcanic explosion. And it goes to show, you know, how, um, e- e- you know, environmental issues can really affect the whole world because, you know, this explosion in the middle of nowhere, uh, caused uh, considerable damage although no deaths um, in many Pacific countries and, and even in uh, the the waves came ashore even in Santa Cruz California so it really does show how how uh, how sort of something happens in one place can affect somewhere else it is it's a reminder of the 2002 uh, volcanic eruption in in um, in uh, Indonesia, if you recall, uh, which uh, led to that enormous tsunami that killed hundreds of thousands of people uh, in the entire Indian Ocean and Pacific Ocean areas. Um, So this was much less severe and it was located much farther from populated areas. So that's why the damage was uh, so much less. Um, Okay, leaving that aside, Uh, We'll come to this sort of uh, topic of the day, which uh, I I, I looked at the fact that yesterday was Martin Luther King Day in the United States. And um, I thought I would talk a little bit in detail about the um, uh, ways that the American government is trying to, uh, to honor Mr. King by passing this change in the Voting Act and how much trouble they've had passing it. So, uh, you know, before we just get into that, uh, you will notice that um, uh, in the United States, people are now saying that Mr. Biden is a very weak uh, uh, leader and that he can't get things done and that um, the, uh, the, the country seems to be kind of drifting uh, inflation is taking hold, uh, challenges being pushed at the U.S. from the outside world, like from Russia or from China, are not being answered. And um, the popularity of Mr. Biden has fallen into the low 40% a- range, which means that uh, elections which are going to be held this November will most likely result in the Republicans taking over uh, 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 one or both of the uh, houses uh, uh, of Congress in the US. Um, uh, what Mr. Biden has tried to do among other things is to pass something called the Voting Rights Act. And um, part of the, uh, part of the uh, incentive for doing this is to protect and support the black community in the US which is being honored by Martin Luther King Day, and which has been threatened by changes taking place in different states as voting laws uh, passed since the 2020 election. Um, in general, we, you know, there's so much that could be said about the US black community, but it's one of the interesting uh, demographic uh, parts of it is that, um, although they are growing faster than the uh, white population in the US, uh, they're growing much slower than uh, some of the other communities, uh, like the Latino community and the Asian community uh, in the US. Uh, Other interesting facts is that the black people in the US are leaving the major cities that they once um, sort of control. Um, cities like Washington D.C. and Detroit and Chicago uh, and Baltimore are cities where the percentage of blacks has gone down um, quite significantly in the last uh, since the last census was taken. So part of this whole voting issue has to do with the census of 2020. Uh, you might remember that uh, the news has just uh, come out that. Uh, president, the ex-president Trump was trying very hard to get the census takers to separate out non-citizens from citizens when uh, counting up the people in the U.S. The reason for this is that the what Mr. Trump wanted was that non-citizens not be counted and therefore when um, the when the Uh, statistics are all taken together, the the allotment of seats in the U.S. Congress is changed every 10 years according to what the census says, and if you don't count non-citizens, then states that have a lot of non-citizens lose uh, representation, and that's what he wanted. The census takers refused to do this uh, for both uh, ideological and practical reasons, The constitution of the United States does not say that um, the census uh, has to eliminate non-citizens. They said that all people residing in the country should be counted. So it didn't say all citizens. Um, Getting back to what I was saying before is that um, the black population moving out of cities like Detroit, uh, Chicago, and Washington, do have a political effect on these cities and how they're run. And um, you know many of these cities uh, for the last maybe 20 odd years had black mayors and black city councilors. And um, when the census shows that the, the demographic demographics have changed, uh, it sort of means political fights as to um, who gets to sit on city council you know, in these various cities. So uh, Blacks have left these cities because of deindustrialization, uh, the closing of factories that attracted them to move there from the South in the first place. Like for example, the stockyards in Chicago, um, uh, factories and steel factories in Baltimore, um, uh, you know, uh, car factories in Detroit all these places have closed down uh, significantly and so uh, there's a movement either out to the suburbs by people who have sort of um, uh, you know moved up the social ladder or in many cases moving back to the south where they have families and where industry is expanding Um, although you know industry which is uh paying a lot less money and are much less unionized than the ones that were in the North. So that's a kind of a demographic movement that what's happening in the black population ever since probably, you know, somewhere around the year 2000 or even before that. Um, uh, Washington DC, which was known as being a black city is today less than 50% black. So it just tells you how uh, you know, how demographics change. The uh, Voting Rights Act was named after John Lewis, who was one of the associates of Martin Luther King, one of his very closest associates. And he was a member of Congress for some 30 odd years um, representing the Georgia district and who passed away recently. and um, So uh, the idea of this Voting Rights Act was to try to to expand voting rights and to guarantee voting rights and to solve the problems that have come up both uh, in the recent past and uh, before that. Um, In 1965, when civil rights was at its kind of uh, peak and many civil rights laws were passed, One of the laws that were passed said that states which had previously violated the rights of their citizens to vote would be under the supervision of the federal government if they wanted to change any voting laws. And this stipulation lasted from 1965 up until 2013. Uh, In 2013, the Supreme Court tossed out that uh, kind of control that the federal government had over these states uh, you know, saying it was discriminatory, and ever since then, these states, which are mainly southern states controlled by Republicans, have passed restrictive voting laws, um, which, in one way or another, disadvantaged the black populations uh, living in those uh, states. So, um, you know, among other things, this Voting Rights Act was there is there to try to correct that. Um, since many, of course, the vast majority of Black people vote for the Democratic Party, since these states are controlled by Republicans, they wanted to minimize, let's say, the, as much as possible, the um, Democratic votes. And so laws that they made were there to make it harder for Democratic voters to vote. Um, the bill would uh, reimpose oversight over any state which violates the 14th and 15th amendment, which is the amendment to the constitution that say that everyone has an equal right to vote. Any, any citizen has an equal right to vote. Um, if, if these states were found to be discriminating against minorities, minorities on the basis of race or language or native populations, then the federal government would be able to um, come in and 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 fix up, let's say, or invalidate the laws that these states have passed. So very controversial, obviously, this this Voting Rights Act, and it's no question or no surprise that the Republicans would be so much against it. Uh, What I find a a bit disturbing about this, like other uh, ideas that the governments have had is it's sort of, racializes or classifies or categorizes people and gives kind of different racial groups sort of different in a way not different rights but but different attention from the federal government and one of my big objections to this is that um, uh, to categorize people into racial groups is it's it's like trying to achieve something, you know, trying to achieve something uh, by categorizing people on race instead of achieving the results by doing it in a more neutral way. Uh, you know, only South Africa gave uh, people uh, an identity based on their race, and nowadays, of course, uh, who's to say who belongs to what race? And um, it's something that seems to obsess the U.S. And yet, um, uh, you know, my belief is that these these things can be achieved uh, without doing that sort of categorization. Anyway, that's a an aside. The other uh, issues that this Voting Rights Act wants to correct is the whole issue about gerrymandering. So, gerrymandering is a um, political um, a a political Act uh, of of trying to um, draw districts to favor the party that's in power that's doing the drawing. Um, in Canada and everywhere else, as soon as you have a, um, a country divided where, where seats or, 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 rep, or yeah, where seats are 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 divided by district. Well, the person who draws the district has some control over how those seats are won. Gerrymandering means an exaggerated or excessive amount of drawing to achieve a certain political ends by drawing the boundaries of districts in such a way so that your voters are advantaged and your opposition voters are disadvantaged. It's named after um, a Massachusetts politician named Eldridge Jerry, who did this you know, way back in the late 1700s. Uh, um, so, so this sort of practice has been around for a long time. Um, even in Canada, on the provincial level or the federal level, there's always been complaining about how district boundaries are drawn, how riding boundaries are drawn, but these complaints are far less severe than what what goes on in the US. Um, What this bill does is it gives the federal government oversight on the um, uh, district drawing boundaries which are blatantly political. Now in the United States, uh, some states have neutral commissions which draw their boundaries something like Elections Canada will say in Canada. But other states, it's the state legislature itself which does the drawing. Um, This is very important because every 10 years, the census comes up with a total number of people living in a certain state. And uh, since the number of members of Congress does not increase or decrease, any changes in population of the states have to be reflected in the number of seats allocated in the members of Congress, members of the House of Representatives allocated uh, by that uh, census. So just to uh, sort of repeat again, uh, the Senate in the US is made up of hundred people, two from each state. So big states and small states get the same number of senators Which obviously advantages small states over big states. The members of the House of Representatives are uh, drawn, are are allocated by population. So uh, the the rules are that every state gets at least one member of the House of Representatives, no matter what the population of that state is. But after that allocation of one, uh, one member, All the other ones are are allocated by population. So the biggest states have more uh, members of the House of Representatives and the smallest states have only one. Um, The way that the system works is that after the census is done, each state is allocated a number of members of the House of Representatives. Could be up, could be down, mostly it's the same. The faster growing states get An extra seat or two, like Texas got this round, and the slow-growing states lose one. um, uh, You know because of the changes in population. So in general, kind of the the faster-growing states in the in the western U.S. and southern U.S. gain gain uh, seats, and the slower-growing areas, especially the Midwest, like Michigan, uh, West Virginia. Uh, lose uh, seats, and lose representation. But once the once the number is decided, let's say it's decided that Michigan will get 16 uh, members losing, let's say one member, it's up to the state legislature to figure out where the boundaries are to, to draw up those 16 districts. And that's where gerrymandering comes into effect. Although it's always been done, um one uh, it's computers, which really assisted the legislators in power to decide how to divide the boundaries to the best advantage of their own party. And the Republicans have been much more aggressive in this area than the Democrats have been. Although de- although the Democrats have also kind of, um, you know, used the boundary drawings to their advantage, since the Republicans control more states, it's always been them who've decided to really push hard on drawing boundaries to their own advantage. So, how is this done? Um, there's two ways to there's two ways to um, draw these boundaries in an unfair way. One is by dividing up by first of all identifying who are your voters, and more importantly, who are the voters of the opposition. Um, Now, since in the United States, the black population is the most uh, united uh, voting group in their preferences, uh, and since their preferences are always the democratic party, if you're the Republicans, what you wanna do is minimize the black vote as much as possible. And that's what they've done. So there's two ways of minimizing. One way is called packing, meaning finding where all the Blacks live in your state, and trying to trying to make a district that will include all of them so that that one district will be, uh, let's say, democratic. And then everywhere else, the Republicans have a much better chance of winning. Uh, this week, this past week, uh, there was an election in Florida uh, for a member of Congress to replace one which had passed away, the so-called 20th district of, the, of Florida. And if you look at a map of this 20th district, it includes, um, uh, this is in Southern Florida. So it includes all the areas uh, to the, uh, west of um, the, uh, in the western part of Miami-Dade County, Broward County, and even going into Palm Beach County. Now you would normally think that these counties would be kind of divided according to the county itself, but here what the, what the Republicans have done is that the, the black people living in those counties live in the western part of those counties And so they drew a line from the south to the north that sort of incorporates all these black areas and some other suburbs, um, leaving sort of all of the, leaving that district to be uh, only 20% white and uh, some 60% black and 20% Latino. And so they've sort of in a way insulated the other areas from that heavily black vote, and um, so that's an example of gerrymandering, which uh, um, you know resulted in the expected victory of the Democratic candidate this time around. But it, it's in a sense unfair because geographically, it, it 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 takes parts of three different counties and put them in one district, rather than sort of let's say taking one county and making that one district all by itself. Um, <laughs> So packing, this is called packing. So you pack all your opponents into one area, leaving everybody, leaving uh, uh, the other districts open to um, your own party's uh, advantage. The other way to do it is dividing. So in some places, it's better to, let's say, for example, you have a place where, um, uh, 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 let's say, let's say um, a place where maybe uh, blacks will live in one concentrated area in a city. If you want to minimize their power, what you could do is take their district and take a little piece of each of the black neighborhoods and put it in separate, uh, uh, separate districts. And uh, therefore um, they lose the uh, advantage of their sort of uh, concentrated vote and you sort of split them up among several different districts, which you hope the Democrats won't win any of them. So this is a, division, a dividing system, which is also used. And it's the, it's, it's the strength of computers which will tell um, the ones doing the boundaries which is the best way for their party to, to do this. And, and, and this has been occurring, uh, like I said, throughout American history, but ever since so, uh, the, the computers have become used, uh, you know, starting in this, well, not starting in, but you know, the power of them the, have, have led to gerrymandered uh, boats in, in, in lots of different places. So I said some states, they don't use the system at all. The states which have only one representative in the very small uh, populated states like Vermont or North Dakota or Wyoming, obviously gerrymandering is not an issue because the whole state is one district. But in states that have, you know, uh, bigger populations, it's possible to eke out an extra advantage um, in that way. Um, So, you know, for example, in some of the Southern states, like say a state like Mississippi, which I think has seven uh, members of Congress, there's only one Democrat, even though the black population of Mississippi is about a third of the state. So this just gives you an idea about how that happens. So the Voting Rights Act is is meant to uh, uh, counteract this and put in uh, controls over extremely gerrymandered maps. Other thing it's trying to do is to um, have the government approve uh, voter ID laws and to, um, to uh, try to make it easier for people to vote. And the, the Republicans have passed laws to make it harder for people to vote. So, for example, um, uh, uh, many of the Republican states are using voter IDs to limit uh, or restrict how easy it is to register to vote. So for example, they won't approve student ID cards as voter ID, but they'll approve a a gun registration ID as a voter ID. In addition to, of course, driver's licenses. Remember that in the US, they don't have the way the systems that we have where everyone gets issued a a state ID, like we have our, our, our Medicare cards where every single person gets one. There, they don't have any kind of state statewide identification card. So everyone, if they want to register, they have to use uh, various types of voter ID. Uh, some of which, uh, let's say people who are very poor don't have a driver's license. And, um, you know, therefore makes it much harder for them to register to vote. Um, the voter, the, the government also wants people to be able to register to vote the same day as the election and to to expand the places where people could register to vote. So another way to limit uh, voter registration is just to put the registration offices in places where your opponents uh, don't live. And um, so, uh, you know, these are all uh, measures which the government is trying to correct. They want to also establish uh, standards for early voting by mail, and um, uh, the, uh, the 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 voter laws wants, wants to make election day a day off, like a public holiday. So that way, people who um, are working uh, don't have to take away time from work to go out and vote. Um, they want that if if someone requests a, a mail in ballot that the, the post be prepaid, that the ballots will be sent out by to anyone who asks for one, not requiring an excuse of why they need one. Um, that the instructions, and here's an interesting one, that the instructions for the elections, uh, when you get when you ask for a mail-in ballot, that the instructions be bilingual, in in minority languages. So. Um, you know, there's, a, there's an interesting little uh, uh, detail. Um, they want to have at least two weeks uh, of advanced voting. You know, we have advanced voting here. You know, there's some parts of the U.S. where there's no advanced voting at all. And they want you to just sh- show up on voting day and vote in person. Um, and the way that you can uh, make it harder for people to vote is not to have a lot of places where you can actually show up to vote or to put the places where you have to show up to vote far away from the places where your opponents live. So all these tricks have been done and the uh, voting laws that that are proposed uh, are trying to get rid of those sort of uh, tricks. You might recall that because of COVID last, uh, during the 2020 election, Many people wanted to vote by mail. Many people wanted to vote in advance, um, uh, vote in advance. And these were things that were were seized upon by the Republicans to say that the elections were unfair, uh, were illegal because so many people voted by mail and so many people voted in advance. Um, Needless to say, there's nothing partisan about voting in advance or voting by mail. But uh, the way the Republicans saw it, it was opening a door to fraud, because uh, uh, you know you didn't show up in person on voting day to vote. Um, uh, the other thing, of course, a major issue about voting in the U.S. is to limit the role that money plays in um, determining who wins. So in the US, they have a kind of a system where anything goes that huge uh, amounts of money can be donated to political parties or candidates uh, or these political action committees can be set up to support a certain candidate or a certain policy. And um, you know we, have, we in Canada have very strict limits on how much people can donate t- to uh, political parties. And corporations are not allowed to make donations because, obviously, that would mean that they expect something in return. So the U.S. doesn't have any of these uh, sort of spending caps, and this new law is, is proposing that there be spending caps in order to, in order to um, uh, limit the influence of money on uh, on elections. Unfortunately, for Mr. Biden. Um, there, he doesn't have enough, sub- the bill, this bill was passed in the House of Representatives, but in the Senate, um, their uh, chances of passing this bill are very slow, because he at the very most has 50, at the very most has 50 supporters, um, uh, a couple of which are not exactly happy about it. But you need 60 uh, votes in the Senate in order to pass a bill because of what's called the filibuster, which is a uh, method that a minority party can use to stop a bill from passing. Uh, so in the U.S. now, in order to uh, overcome a filibuster, you need 60 uh, votes, which, of course, uh, the Democrats don't have in the American Senate. So, what Biden wants to do is to end the filibuster rule, to end the rule that says that a minority of uh, senators can block any kind of legislation. Now, there are some senators uh, on the Democratic side, like Joe Manchin, who say, look, um, I support the voting rights bill, but I don't support uh, ending the filibuster because the filibuster was a technique or was a, was a, um, was a, a system used to make sure that votes in the Senate would be somewhat bipartisan. That in other words, you need to have some senators from the opposite party voting with you in order to pass a bill, in order to make sure that this is not a strictly party-line vote. Um, It's less divisive that way. And there is a certain logic to it, except that in the past, um, Republicans have decided that they don't want to support any anything, for example, that President Obama was, was um, proposing. And this sort of hard line was developed by one of their former uh, leaders, Newt Gingrich, who said, um, you know, politics is war, and we have to do everything we can to win. Whereas, uh, you know, in, in the nineteen in the 20th century, there was a lot of bipartisanship and a lot of Um, A lot of the parties working uh, across party lines. Uh, Mr. Biden managed to pass a sort of a COVID uh, aid package in a bipartisan way. He also passed this huge infrastructure bill, $2 trillion worth, to fix up America's infrastructure. But uh, the other initiatives that he wanted to take, which is, you know, to change the tax system, to uh, to allow um, uh, free, uh, you know, expand Medicare to making it a system like ours, to have early childhood education, um, to uh, tax people in a more uh, fair way. None of these things could be passed because there's no contr- no support for this uh, by the opposition party. And what he said is is that be, you know that the majority of people did elect um, uh, the Democrats, that the Democratic senators who are 50 of them um, represent far more people than the 50 Republican senators. And therefore it's undemocratic to allow a minority to block the will of the majority. Um, But because of the existing rules, uh, he won't be able to pass this voting, all these voting changes and um, so uh, it's just another kind of uh, uh, indication of how um, weak, in a way, his government is. I mean, uh, you know, when you only get half the Senate seats, what can you expect? That's what I would say. Um, <clears throat> the... Uh, the um, the, uh, you know, when we coming back to voting, let me just check my watch, coming back to the voting uh, system in the US, the federal system, we have to understand that their system is so, so different from ours. In that, uh, in the United States, it's the states themselves who control the uh, voting process in the federal uh, elections. So in other words, you have 50 states in the US and each state runs their own federal election, uh, unlike what we have here in Canada, where uh, it's Elections Canada, a federal body, which runs the um, federal elections. There it's the state, it's the states themselves which um, uh, set the rules, and each state's rules are a little bit different. Uh, which certify the rules, certify the counting of the ballots, which report the uh, results to the um, uh, people, uh, to the TV uh, networks and the media, uh, which register the results uh, with the federal government, and ultimately, which choose the electors who go to Washington after the election to choose the president. And this is where all the hullabaloo started last time because President Trump felt that he really didn't lose the closed states. And he asked the Republican governors of those states to throw out the election results and to choose a different slate of electors for the electoral college. And when there's a dispute in the electoral college, then the results of that state are thrown out. And then the House of Representatives itself chooses the president. And each state has one vote. And since there are more Republican states, President Trump wanted the election to be carried out in that way. Uh, so the Democrats, of course, want to reform the system, uh, which is, this, this is very kind of archaic and very, uh, convoluted and very open to uh, to manipulation. I mean, suppose in the last election, uh, the Republicans' states uh, did get their secretaries of state to throw out the election results and to say, well, because the election was not held fairly, we're gonna name our own uh, slate of electors. Then, you know, it could have happened and then all uh, hell would break loose as far as deciding who won the election. Um, so that's why they would love to change the system. But because the system is set that way in the constitution, that the states run the elections, there's not much hope of changing the constitution. Um, uh, The Republicans are saying that, uh, you know, the voting laws, the voting bill that is being proposed is something which goes against the Constitution, which um, uh, is to give the federal government control or influence uh, over what the state's job should be. And the federal elections in the U.S. are carried out by the states and not by the federal government. The Democrats, in a sense, want to make it easier to vote for everybody. The Republicans want to emphasize prevention of fraud, uh, of which there was no fraud in the last time, but, um, you know, they have the right to change the laws as they want. Uh, Each state does, and that's what they're doing. Um, The other other thing is, is that the elections in the U.S. are different from our elections in that they choose many different candidates at the same time, so they're voting on a federal level. They're voting on a state level. Uh, they're voting even on a local level, and so the ballots are long, and the ballot and the time it takes to vote is a long time if you have to choose each every in every candidate that you have. Um, uh, it's easy, therefore, to. Um, to uh, use this complicated election system to make it either easier or harder to vote. And if the polls uh, are not placed in the right places, if the hours that are uh, decided when the polls are open are are kind of uh, manipulated, um, uh, these restrictions can lead to difficulty in voting. You might have seen pictures of people waiting hours and hours and hours to vote uh, in the U.S. Some of them waited for two hours and more to be able to vote. And, you know, of course, our system here, you're in and out pretty quickly. Um, And that's why, uh, you know, the Biden administration wants to uh, expand mail balloting, expand uh, um, early voting uh, to restrict the way that polls can be decided on where they should be placed. Uh, You might've heard that this silly law that some Republican states pass saying, you're not allowed to give water to people who are standing in line. So, um, you know, because that might influence their vote. Um, You know, that's where all of this sort of fighting is taking place uh, on this kind of very um, practical level um so uh you know just to sum up then it looks like this voting rights act won't be passed and um it's uh it's uh, the, the kind of i would say neglect of the democratic party uh in state elections going back many years which have allowed the republicans to take control of the states and that allows them to set the laws for the federal election system. Um, You know, we're lucky in Canada that we don't have these sort of uh, very partisan uh, election rules, that Election Canada and the Election Quebec, uh, election officials in uh, all the other provinces uh, have a neutral body which controls the elections um, and uh, which limits uh, spending on uh, political campaigns, and tries to make a bit of a more democratic system than what they have in the US. But remember that because our elections are held in different times in the states, in the provinces, and in the federal government, uh, and because you're only voting for one candidate at a time, your time spent in line is very short. Uh, You're in and out quickly, and um, it, it sort of simplifies things in terms of counting the votes, and um, you know, so our systems are different, so the results end up being so different. Um, anyway, that's just a, just a bit of a summary about the um, the uh, this this uh, proposal to change the voting rights. Um, I'm going to see now if you have any questions about this, uh, or about uh, other subjects that you might want to uh, hear about. Um, I haven't spoken this time about COVID because I don't want to do that every time. But maybe, uh, maybe uh, because it looks as if there's some finally some uh, breaking in this uh, in this epidemic, maybe we'll have some numbers to talk about next week. Um, um the uh, other event that people have been paying so much attention to is the uh uh this attack on the synagogue in uh, Fort Worth Texas where um uh, four people were taken hostage and uh, in the end the uh, hostage taker was killed and the four hostages escaped um certainly for uh for those people who feel that anti-Semitism is not a big issue, it just reinforces again, the vulnerability of the uh, small Jewish population, uh, you know, uh, in, in places outside of Israel and how uh, vulnerable this community is to people who don't like it. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it, it's something, which at least has sort of concentrated people's attention and brought back the, the notion that yes, uh, this particular community is so very vulnerable. Um, so anyway, yeah, if you've got any co- comments about this or questions about this, just let me, let me know.
0: We are now waiting for questions.
1: Okay, good enough, good enough. Um, I know that Montreal has had a snowstorm, um, but you know, sort of, I would say, you know, uh, you know what Schadenfreude is. I mean, feeling sort of when a disaster happens to somebody else and you feel happy about it. That's what that word means. And Toronto really got bombed uh, this past week. They got forty centimeters. Uh, in a city which is completely uh, ill-equipped to uh, handle it and um, the city is like frozen now for the second day in a row so uh, you know where our streets are already being cleared off and, and, and things of life is beginning to get back to normal uh, you know their big expressway the gardener and the Don Valley were completely closed because of the snowstorm but you know winter is winter and uh you know, climate change and global warming, notwithstanding, it's still winter and we could still get a big storm like that.
0: We've got a hand up from Steve, go ahead, Steve.
1: Okay,
2: hi Hershey, yeah, hi, Steve. can you hear me okay?
1: Uh, yeah, I can hear you well. Thank you so much for, for tuning in and, and, and what do you have to ask?
2: Okay, thank you. Well, I have comments more than questions really. Okay, sure. Uh, you had mentioned that two senators from each state disadvantages larger states. But I would say that two senators from each state was uh, instituted to not disadvantage the smaller states over the more populated larger states. Were this not done or not agreed to, there never would have ever been a United States of America at the time of its founding.
1: That is true. That's exactly true. Um, okay. the, uh, the discussions to form a union, um, uh, when the 13 colonies were, uh, discussing, uh, making a country, the fear was that if everything was just allocated according to population, that the two largest states, um, in population, two or three largest states, which would be in those days, Virginia, uh, New York, and Massachusetts, uh, and also maybe Pennsylvania, that that um, e- 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 the smaller states would not have any say whatsoever, and um, so they instituted this idea of having a a kind of a two body um, Congress, where one would be by population and one would be fixed um, fixed two senators per. Uh, state. Uh, The other other way that this plays to the advantage of the small states is in determining the Electoral College. The Electoral College uh, um, is something where you take the number of senators and you add those to the number of representatives, and that uh, equals the number of Electoral College votes each state has. So obviously... Uh, the, the, the fact that you start off with two per state advantages the smaller states.
2: I was going to mention that in, uh, with regards to the uh, Electoral College because without two senators from each state, without the Electoral College, the American elections would always be decided by cities like New York, Chicago, and Los Angeles with no need to even visit any of these smaller states. So the electoral college uh, ensures that uh, there'll be a, uh, a fairer uh, election and all states will be, uh, will be considered. Well, it,
1: it, it's not fairer in the sense that uh, di- different people's votes count for more or less. So it disadvantages um, uh, uh, states that have larger populations and advantages states there are smaller populations so the voters the individual voters in the smaller states have more say than in the larger states. Uh,
2: uh, so would, in, that, in
1: that way in that way it's not depending on what you want to call fair, um, right. it's not one man one vote. It's right. one man one vote but each vote counts differently, let's say.
2: Well, I, I would say that uh, that, it, that as, as it was founded that it is fair because America is not a pure democracy. It's a republic and a representative democracy.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. It goes exactly with how the founders, uh, the bargain. It wasn't. It was a bargain, and you know when you have conditions that are made in a bargain, um, you know things don't uh, don't always end up in that way. I mean, we have, we have a small. We have a uh, in Canada. We have a. A kind of a shadow of that in that, um, uh, let's say Prince Edward Island, whose population is 130,000, they have four federal seats. Well, 130,000 divided by four is like 35,000, uh, but the average size of a federal seat in the rest of Canada is around 100,000. So, uh, you know, we do have those, um, those, uh, in, in you know, inequalities in a very minor way also.
2: Uh, also Hershey, I wanted to uh, make a comment regarding uh, Republicans making it harder for people to vote. I would say that the Republicans wanna make it harder for non-citizens to vote. Uh, they don't wanna take the vote away from, from uh, legitimate um, they, citizens.
1: You know, there's been a very extensive research uh, done of course in the last election and there's almost no incidences of fraud of let's say somebody voting twice or somebody taking someone else's name to vote. And the tiny few cases that they found were all you know, Republicans who were sort of trying to cheat the system.
2: And Hershey, um, can you actually it, believe that? It, there's, there's can you no believe
1: that with vote
2: harvesting, dead people on the rolls? people moving from one state to another without notifying that they've moved you 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 you, you had said that uh, uh that there was no fraud in in the last election that's it right. is is highly unlikely there were 17 well, think, states of it, think, of think of it
1: think of it oh, think of all the work that's been done and there haven't been any um y- you know there hasn't been any public uh you know, cases being brought where these fraud things happened. I mean, uh, yes, it is true. People move from state to state and they may not uh, read, they may not, um, uh, you know, they may vote in 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 the new state that they moved to without taking their names off the roll of the old state. But that doesn't mean that they've done anything wrong because they're not gonna run from one state to the other on election day to vote twice. There isn't any any sort of indication that that ever happened. And as far as what you would call vote harvesting, which is such a a nasty term, all that simply means is that um, uh, where you had an ability to drop off your ballot uh, in a sealed envelope, if somebody goes and let's say goes to a place A community center, let's say like, I don't know, let's say the Y, the JCC or something like that, where people have gathered. They said, okay, look, one person can pick up everybody's ballot in a sealed envelope and drop them all off into a a mailbox or into a a ballot box itself. There's no reason why that should be fraudulent any more than somebody walking on their own uh, to go drop their ballot in a box. There's no, there's no indication that there's anything fraudulent about that. There, ha- there, Or let's put it like this, there hasn't been any proof shown that there was any fraud of that sort in the okay. last election. Okay, in, the,
2: in this last election, if, with regards to the integrity of the, uh, of, the, of the election, 17 states, 17 states petitioned the Supreme Court to hear their challenges of the election process, but the Supreme Court, which has pl- not plenary mm-hmm. primary juris- jurisdiction in dis- in disputes between states, because there is no other court that could hear a-, a challenge of one state to another, the the Supreme Court refused to hear these uh, refused to hear these challenges. It's not like that they were heard and it was decided that uh, that there was no merit to it. Well, not think of but the just Republican if I could Republican. just Hershey if I yeah. could just continue for for a moment. Okay. What, Go ahead. what is this here opposition by the Democrat party to to fair elections with with voter ID with photo ID? The only, the only reason I can think of is because the Democrats want to cheat. If the Democrats didn't want to cheat, why would the southern border be open? If it were Democrats, sorry, if it were Republicans coming over the southern border into the United States, I'm sure that the rest of that wall would have already been constructed. This is part of the reason why. Well, the I, the I,
1: I, right. I would say the simple solution. I mean, this is a super simple solution. Uh, is for all states to issue uh, ID cards like we have, but it, the Republican states don't want to do that. They don't want to issue a card to everybody um, because uh, you know personal freedoms, and why should a state Why should I have to carry around the card to prove who I am? So they're they're the ones who've been opposing this. I'm not so
2: sure that the Republicans are are opposed to that. I think that they are. Oh,
1: absolutely they are.
2: Absolutely. Send me a link. I can read um, it.
1: But 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 what I wanted to say was that the the, the Republican uh, states in the close ones um, all wanted so-called audits to be done. On the votes, and and as you know very well, uh, you know all these audits went nowhere because they couldn't prove any kind of fraud. The, the, you know, they were looking for bamboo ballots and who knows what else. You know, if they found anything, they would have been publicized, and they, they never did. Now, you, you, I, you know, I'm you not... had
2: a media that is 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 totally in lockstep. With the Democrat Party, uh, I'll, well, I'll, I'll
1: leave I it at that. you know I don't uh, f- for sure for sure the, there's media who are you know uh, pro Democrat and media that are pro Republican. Just as you know, all around the world, you've got media in England or in France which are you know associated with one one uh, sort of party or another. I think that's pretty well inevitable. But it doesn't mean that, um, it, or let me put it to you like this, that um, the, the, it seems as if in the United States they've raised, the, the, the partisan division is so strong and has been pushed even stronger by different media that it, it turns out that people don't believe anything that the opposite media says. Um, I mean, you know, we have uh, the National Post and the Globe and Mail in Canada, and no one is going to say, well, anything you read in the Globe and Mail is, is a lie and vice versa. So uh, it's the it's the division of the state uh, of the United States, which is, is a, which is a cause of all of these uh, disputes, which um, has led to the fact that uh, um, you know, mo- 75% of Republicans feel that Biden didn't win the election, even though there hasn't been any kind of um, uh, evidence that that's the case. So that's how strong the the, the division is in, in the U.S. And it's unfortunate because it, it blocks, as I was saying last week, it blocks the U.S. from acting, um, you know, together on any issue because... Uh, the legitimacy of the uh, government is, is in question.
2: Also, the last thing that I'll just mention is that, with regards to the filibuster, I think that both parties have wanted to change the rules from from one way to the other, depending sure. upon who's in power and whose ox
1: is being gored. Absolutely, absolutely, you're absolutely right. That if if um, if Biden succeeded in 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 getting rid of it. Uh, the moment that the Republicans um, would get into office, which is, of course is uh, very uh, possible, um, then the Democrats would have wanted to have a way to block uh, unilateral, um, a la- you, you know, unilateral action by by that side. Yeah. Uh, we don't have that. I mean, in Canada, we have a clear. Um, Understanding that the party that wins an election has the right to pretty well do whatever they want. Yeah. And um, that there isn't this sort of blockage that could be carried out uh, to stop the, the, the will of the majority party. Mm. Um, you know, that that's just part of the British parliamentary system. It works that way. But For the sure. US, because of, because of division of powers in the US, and because of distrust of government that was put in to the U.S. Constitution from the very beginning by dividing powers and checks and balances, um, you you know, they've always tried to sort of engineer a way that um, there can't be what we would call the tyranny of the majority. And uh, in our system, it was decided that uh, the government in power stays in power, does whatever they want for four years, and then if you don't like it, vote against them the next time.
2: Hershey, I'll just leave you with one last thing that maybe perhaps at some point you could uh, give us a, a, a talk on uh, uh, executive privileges uh, and the consequences of um, of disallowing that with regards to Mark Meadows testifying uh, before a House committee. And how that would violate uh, executive privilege, not only for Donald Trump but all future presidents going
1: forward, and what that would mean. A pretty—it's um, a—it's—it's it's a good subject, but it's very. Um, uh, what am I looking for? It's a uh, very specific, okay. and um, uh, somewhere I'll have to try to figure out. You know, the next time we talk about. American politics, or if something like this, you know, if something comes up as far as uh, uh, these different procedures that are, are are taking place, or in other words, if if maybe this uh, January sixth committee comes up with some uh, recommendations, uh, that might be a, a time to discuss something like that. Thanks for it's so nice, It's so nice. It's so nice to hear your voice again, and uh, you know, it's such a such a strange way to communicate over this little (laughs) box over here um you know rather than seeing people in person i'm hoping that you know maybe by who knows by spring things might change and this huge wave because it comes in so strong it should fall down just as strongly and then maybe we can get back to normal um in the spring or summer but anyway thanks again steve it's uh, always a pleasure to to hear you and uh and you know your your thoughts are well well uh, formulated, and um, you know it's uh, it's nice to have a discussion like this. Thank you. Thank Anyone you else? so
0: much. I'm gonna. If you have a question, please raise your hand, and I will click to allow you to speak. If not, I know that we uh, started late, so we run a little bit over time, and I understand people have. Yeah, I hope it
1: could be fixed for next time I hope that yes. this fuffle can be fixed and you can just you know sign in just the way we always did sign in because it was uh for me I just couldn't it was just wasn't, yeah, wasn't letting me do it
0: zoom kerfuffles thank you for joining us everyone and thank you for being patient with the kerfuffles and we look forward to next week's talk
1: okay thank great. you mr Dwoskin. thanks again thanks a, thanks a lot everyone thanks Bye. for coming in bye-bye